Welcome to The Greek Current, a podcast by Halk and Kathy Merini. I'm your host, Thanos Davelis. Greece is putting forward a plan to overhaul the EU's electricity grids in order to lay the foundations for a massive rollout of renewable power. Athens is arguing that efforts to expand and strengthen Europe's electricity grid need to be stepped up in order to handle the transition to solar and wind, especially with the EU looking to reach climate neutrality by the middle of the century. As part of this proposal, Greece, which is already at the heart of initiatives to connect Europe to Africa's grid, is also pointing out the need for better connections in the Western Balkans. Nikos Safos, the chief energy advisor to Greece's prime minister, joins me to discuss this latest proposal from Athens and the importance of overhauling Europe's power grid to meet the challenges ahead. Nico, always great to have you back on The Greek Current. Thank you for having me. Nico, Bloomberg reported this week that Greece is looking to overhaul the EU's power grid in order to lay the foundations for a massive rollout of renewable power. Why is Greece putting this on the table? Well, the starting point is that we know that electricity networks, the grid, are really the backbone of the clean energy economy. We know that the future is all about electrification, and to make electrification possible, to install new renewables, we need a modern grid. The International Energy Agency says investment in grids has to double by 2030 relative to what it was in recent years. We've seen numerous stories from multiple countries of growing what we call interconnection queues. These are projects that are trying to connect to the grid and are waiting to get a piece of paper that says, yes, you can connect to the grid. These interconnection queues are massive in Europe, in North America. And we have in Europe, you know, a lot of potential for interconnections that is not really being realized. So even before coming to Greece's position, which we can talk about, you know, what we really see is a need for a modern sort of 21st century grid to really supercharge the transition to net zero. So Nico, what is Greece's position? You know, what's Athens proposing here? So our starting point is, of course, we have great resource potential in Greece. You know, we have about 10 gigawatts of installed capacity in solar and wind. That's doubled in the last five, six years. We are ranked fourth in the EU in terms of our solar and wind penetration as a share of our total generation. And we have an enormous queue of projects that are trying to, to come in here. So we are thinking both about our own resource potential, but also about how to connect the resources from outside the country, and here I'm talking particularly about North Africa, how to connect those superior resources into Europe. So here's what's in the, the proposal. And this is really a high-level political proposal at this stage. What we're saying is that you need to have a geographic focus in two specific ways. One is north-south. So if you think about the last 50, 60 years, the main flow of energy was West Siberia to Central Europe. It was oil and natural gas. If you think about the energy flows of the 2030s and 40s, it will be connecting the sunny south with the windy north. And yes, we have good wind potential in the south. We have sun in the north. But really that north-south interconnection, it's going to provide a great balance for the European grid. What we also are saying in our paper is that if we want to create a really European grid, we have to pay attention to the Western Balkans. When you look at the studies conducted by the network operators of Europe, there's a lot of great potential for connectivity in the Western Balkans and all the way into Central Europe. So we really need as Europe to focus on that region, both to accelerate its transition, but also we have resources in Greece that we're trying to develop. 
we want to bring electricity from North Africa. And the only way to make that possible is to be able to send that electricity north. And when we say, can we send electricity north? The big bottleneck is really the Western Balkans. So those are the two regional dimensions of our paper, North-South and Western Balkans. And then what we say is, that okay, well, what are we actually saying we should do besides this regional focus? Well, one is, you know, we have to make sure that these grids can be permitted, they can be built. We had a big focus last year on the permitting of renewable energy. We should be thinking about the permitting of the grid. And then lastly, there are a number of financial instruments to support grid development in Europe, connecting Europe facility, the European Investment Bank gives money. You know, can we centralize those under a European grid facility to really make sure that all the resources are available for those countries that want to develop their grids? Nico, you talked about the North-South Corridor and connecting areas with high level of wind power to those that produce solar electricity. Greece, as we've seen, seems to have a natural advantage when it comes to both. Where's Greece when it comes to wind and solar today? Yeah, so our installed capacity is roughly equal between uh, wind and solar. And so we have a relatively sort of balanced portfolio. When we look at the future, we have a lot of a lot more interest in solar uh, than in wind. If you look at the applications for connection to the grid, some of this is because it's a little bit easier to permit solar than wind. But, you know, we still have very good wind potential to develop in the future. The main difference between the two is, you know, solar obviously gives you far more predictability. You know that the, the sun is going to shine, but wind can give you more sort of capacity factor, what, what we say capacity factors, more electricity for the same megawatts of installed capacity. The other thing that is really interesting about wind and solar is they complement each other on a seasonal basis. It's sunnier in the summer than it is in the winter, and it's windier in the winter than it is in the summer. And that creates a nice balancing of the system. And so when we think about developing our resource, we want to make sure that both of these resources are developed at the same time. But obviously, our competitive advantage as you go further south in Europe is clearly, you know, really, really high solar potential. And that's, you know, in the medium to long term, that's probably the place where we'll see even more installed capacity in Greece. Athens, as you mentioned, is calling for better connections in the Western Balkans. As Greece becomes a hub for natural gas to the region and works with its northern neighbors to connect them to pipelines like TAP, for example, are the same discussions happening when it comes to electric interconnectors? Yeah, so there's already sort of a network of grids that covers the Western Balkans. Really, the question is, how do we expand that to the scale that is necessary? And I think here, what is really important to remember is that, you know, these are not countries that are currently in the European Union. So the synchronicity of our grids, you know, the rules, all that has to be sort of brought up to speed. And so we have to make sure that these countries can sort of integrate with the broader European market. But, you know, when we think about our strategy on natural gas, you know, a lot of it is connecting with our neighbors. In electricity, we already do that. We already have interconnections with all of our neighbors, and we're trying to expand those interconnections with all of our neighbors. The real challenge is that because we have so much resource potential in Greece, and because we have so much potential electricity that can come from North Africa, it's not enough to just connect to our neighbors we have to be able to evacuate the electricity further north. 
And that is where the Western Balkans become key. It's not really about just sending excess electricity to Albania, North Macedonia, Bulgaria. It's really, we're talking about a much bigger volume. And when you talk about a much bigger volume, you have to look at a much bigger market to be able to absorb that volume. And that's what pushes you towards Central Europe. And that takes you through the Western Balkans. So our argument is we need to think about this area in a strategic way and appreciate its contribution to the European electricity system. And we need to have a sort of focused strategy for how to develop that infrastructure over the next decade or so. Beyond Europe, Greece is working with its neighbors to develop the Euro-Asia interconnector and the Euro-Africa interconnector, linking its grid with that of fellow EU member Cyprus with Egypt and Israel. Will these projects be game changers for Greece and Europe? And, you know, what's the view from Brussels on these? Actually, if you look at all the proposals, there's actually four different cables that are proposed to cross the Mediterranean into Greece with different configurations of Israel, Cyprus, and Egypt. You know, if you add them all together, they could amount to about nine gigawatts of capacity. And I don't want to go too much into the numbers, but just to give you a sense, if these nine gigawatts operated all the time, you know, they would produce more electricity than the entire country of Greece. The number would come up to like 70, 80 terawatt hours. We as a country produce, consume about 50. So when you're looking at this potential, you say, okay, I can't absorb all this electricity. We really have to bring this further north. And so that is really sort of how we look at the region is that we can, of course, bring this electricity. We can consume some of it, but there's so much of it that it has to play a more important regional role. So this is very well appreciated in Brussels. The connectivity with North Africa and the merits of that connectivity is well appreciated in Brussels. What I'm not sure is equally appreciated in Brussels is the need to bring this electricity not to Greece, but further inland. That, you know, we won't be able to absorb on our own all the potential that exists in North Africa. And if we want to be able to import as much as as we need, we have to invest further inland. So that is, I think, part of the focus on the Western Balkans, is that if you want to talk about North Africa, you have to also talk about the Western Balkans, because that is how the electricity is going to get to the markets that need it. Wrapping up, Nico, you've spent a significant amount of time in Washington, D.C. With American policymakers looking at this region, do you see a role for the U.S. in this broader discussion? Absolutely. I mean, you know, when you think about win-win scenarios for the region, I mean, a lot of the last, you know, 10 years, the focus has been on natural gas because we had a lot of major natural gas discoveries in the region and how to fully develop those. But as you look forward, you realize that the solar and wind, actually, there's a lot of great wind potential in Egypt. The solar and wind potential in the region is enormous. And so, I think this is an incredible opportunity to create new linkages, to connect the economies of North Africa and of the Eastern Mediterranean to the European energy and electricity markets. You know, I can't think of a more obvious, no-brainer proposition than developing strong grids that link these two together. You know, the way I think about it is right now, there are four natural gas pipelines that connect North Africa to Southern Europe, mostly going to or exclusively going to Spain and Italy right now. But there is no reason why there shouldn't be four electricity cables that connect North Africa to Southern Europe and, and maybe even more than four. 
So I think this has great potential, both as an energy strategy, as a climate strategy, as well as an economic development and as a political strategy for deepening the ties between the two sides of the Mediterranean. I think this is a message that will have enormous appeal in Washington, as it does in Brussels, and as, of course, it does in Athens. Nico, it's been great speaking with you, as always. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. In other news, Greece will hold elections in May, Prime Minister Kyriakos Mitsotakis said in an interview on Tuesday. The conservative government's four-year term expires in July, and Mitsotakis was widely expected to call an election in early April. Opinion polls show his new democracy party's lead over the leftist opposition Syriza party shrinking following Greece's worst rail disaster on February 28th. Reports indicate that May 21st and 28th are being considered as the most likely days for elections. This has put the country's political system in overdrive until July 2nd, when the second round of elections is expected. Mitsotaki said his aim is to win the elections again, adding that he believes his party will eventually succeed. Finally, UBS will likely shrink Credit Suisse Group's $10 billion shipping portfolio that it inherited as part of its emergency takeover on Sunday, the Wall Street Journal reported on Wednesday. UBS could also try to sell the portfolio, but doing so could prompt owners to move their accounts elsewhere. About half of the shipping portfolio involves Greek ship owners that use their deposits in the bank's wealth management arm as collateral to finance new ships. Our wealth management business in Greece is an integral part of our strategy in the Europe region and one we are looking to grow, having recently announced a new market head to support those ambitions, UBS said in an email statement to Reuters. That wraps up today's episode of The Greek Current. Thanks for tuning in.